Hey, it's Kate. Hey, it's Anissa. Fosco Works has a bonus episode for you today. It's part of a custom podcast called Productivity Confidential, produced in partnership with Citrix. We'll be back next week with a new episode of Secrets of the Most Productive People. I'm Ted Brown, and this is Productivity Confidential, a custom podcast from Fasco Works and Citrix. We'll hear from industry leaders on how you can use emerging strategies and technologies to unlock employee creativity and productivity at your workplace. My guest today is Christian Horner, a team principal of Red Bull Racing. Christian, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. I want to start at the top um, and ask what a team principal does when it comes to racing. Well, effectively, I'm the CEO of of the Red Bull Racing you know, business in terms of you know what operationally happens trackside. You know, where we're a high performing sports entity, uh, and then of course, you know, running uh, a business that comprises more than 800 people in designing, developing, and producing the car back in the UK. So it's quite a wide gamut of responsibilities from operations on the track to operations as the te- of, of the team as a business entity. Absolutely. It's, you know, every day is a different challenge. And because it's a competition as well, where we're judged every two weeks at uh, a racetrack around the world, it's, uh, yeah, high pressure as well. Take me through some of the decisions you're making during a race as principal. Well, you know, the, the key decisions are being presented in front of me in terms of predominantly strategy and the appetite for risk. Uh, the strategists will be working in the background on, you know, the fastest way to the end of the race and the possible reward associated with the risk that you're prepared to take. So I'll have to obviously sign off on that. I can also challenge, you know, that as well. And of course, if there's any team tactics, if there's any violation of the uh, of the regulations, at the end of the day, uh, the final decision has to come up the chain to be signed off by myself. I think that's fascinating, the concept of sort of risk management when it comes to racing. I mean, you're dealing with a very high risk sport generally, and you're sort of tiering the risk going forward on uh, sort of balancing the rewards versus the, the costs. Correct. And we run a huge amount of analysis uh, and, and uh, uh, algorithms to, you know, to predict the fastest way to the end of the race and of course what we can't predict what is our competitors likely to do but it's it's effectively like you know high speed chess um at certain times during the course of a grand prix take me through some of those data analysis situations you go through during a race what kind of data are you looking at what sort of things are you analyzing when you're making decisions on on how to deal with a race or a certain course well, we're looking at, uh, you know, predominantly, you know, car data, the, you know, the different engineers uh, that are, are accountable for the, each area of the car will be looking at their specific, you know, data that the car is generating. And then, of course, you've got the strategy team that are focused on the tactics, on the, uh, you know, when to make a pit stop, what should we do if a safety car comes out. Um, and unless there's a reliability issue, my focus tends to be predominantly with the strategy uh, guys and girls working on, you know, the two cars strategically, uh, you know, what are those options? And how does the team communicate with the drivers during a given race? You know, are there new data points that come up when you're actually in the middle of a race? It must be difficult to sort of uh, 
convey those to drivers when they're in the middle of a very high pressure situation. Well, it's amazing the capacity, the spare capacity the driver will have. So the race engineer will be having a conversation with a driver often when he's doing speeds of in excess of 250 miles an hour. Um, and, you know, it's amazing the top guys, how much spare capacity they have to be having intimate conversations about, uh, you know, chassis setup uh, or settings, you know, with the car. And of course, we rely, you know, a lot on uh, technology, you know, to bring the team together from across the world, not just trackside, but integrating the factory with the race as well. So we've got a lot of analysis going on during the course of the Grand Prix back here in the UK at any venue we're at in the world. And has that changed through your career? You've been in the industry a very long time. Yeah, thank you. Um, yeah, <laughs> I mean, the way we use data, the amount of data that we capture, um, you know, never ceases to amaze me. It grows every every year. And that's where, you know, for example, you know, our partnership with Citrix is is so valuable because it's how we manage, you know, that data as, as well is hugely important for us. Can you take the audience through, take me through some of the the tougher decisions you made in your career uh you know i can there's there's so many of them they almost happen on a weekly basis but you know if i pick the uh the penultimate race in brazil max verstappen was leading the grand prix the safety car comes out because uh, uh there'd been an incident where one of the mercedes had retired um you know we have tracked position to lewis hamilton um, and the gap was such to the third place car that, you know, uh, whatever we would do, whether we would pit for a new set of tires and concede track position, or if, uh, you know, Lewis would stay out. Um, if we stayed out, he had the option to pit and start the, restart the race on new tires behind us with a, with a grip advantage. So uh, we took the higher risk strategy of pitting from the lead, conceding the track position, uh, and putting Max behind Lewis Hamilton on a new set of tires, knowing that he would have to make the pass, that he would have to make that overtake to, to win the Grand Prix. And thankfully on that occasion, it worked out. And was that sort of instinctual for you or was there data being fed to you that sort of gave you the, the power to make that decision? Well, there was data being provided that the uh, the average pace delta that you needed for an overtake was about 1.5 seconds. And with the grip advantage of the new tires, we should have about, you know, 1.6, 1.7 seconds advantage for a couple of laps. So it was a question of did we have the confidence in our drivers to get the job done? And uh, in Max Verstappen, I think we've got a very capable driver. So um, we took that strategic gamble and it and it paid off. And is that influx of data, I mean, obviously it's changed in, over the last couple of decades, but what has it helped you do? I mean, you sort of, you obviously understood the sort of needs for, uh, you said race deltas uh, in the 90s, but you have more data to sort of prove that out now. What are you looking at that sort of, what data is coming in that sort of describes that now? Well, we're so uh, reliant on data. I mean, it effectively drives every decision um, that, we, that we make. And of course, the analysis and the tools that we use and the simulations that we run are all reliant on the data coming, uh, coming off the car. So, um, you know, that data is being driven to make, influence every decision that we're making regarding the operation of the car, regarding the development of the car, um, and whether it's aerodynamic data, whether it's mechanical data, whether it's engine data, whether it's competitors, analysis data, uh, you know, it is our, our lifeblood in, in, in many respects. 
I want to step away from the track and ask you about uh, Red Bull Racing HQ in, in Milton Keynes, correct? Yeah. And ask about what you're doing off the track to improve your racing strategy, improve the team's communications, improve the car itself. Uh, what sort of things are you looking at? What sort of things are you looking to improve? We're constantly about constant innovation and constant improvement. So we put a lot of effort into digitalizing our processes in terms of design, in terms of testing, uh, and even with uh, you know driver driver simulators. Um, you know, again, CFD simulation. They're all things that we're pushing the boundaries and the envelope on. And um, the factory is very much becoming a, a you know digital first with team members around the factory accessing crucial data. Um, for example, using you know Citrix VDIs for all sorts of of processes. So um, you know the way that we're using data around the factory back here in the in the UK is, as I say, lifeblood of what we do on a daily basis. And can you contrast that with what you were doing when you first came up in the industry? Yeah, there was much less data. It was it wasn't live. It wasn't being managed. Whereas now we have an operation room based in the UK that. You know, we're, we're, we're transporting 400 gigabytes of data at any point in time with less than half a second latency from races that can be 10,000 miles away. So the amount and quantity of data that we're generating now compared to years ago when, when you'd go away and come back with a laptop full of information that should be downloaded, um, it's a very different world now. And this is sort of uh, the idea that you can act more quickly on the data points now. This is yeah. uh, you can have a race happening. Yeah. You know how we analyze that data, how we use that data, how that drives our future development. Um, and of course, we we have an awful lot more faith in our analysis now uh, and in our, our simulation analysis tools. We'll be right back after a short break. At Citrix, we're working hard to simplify the work experience to transform how people collaborate, create, and innovate. As Chief Product Officer at Citrix, I know the pace of change in technology is unprecedented. It's critical for companies to take a look at their employee experience and enable their teams to perform their best under pressure. That begins with having the right technology in place. Technology, like a Citrix workspace, powers a smarter, more flexible way to work so your team can be productive at speeds as fast as a Formula One car. I'm PJ Hawk, and I'm helping the world work better. Learn more at citrix.com fastco. We talked a lot about sort of the direct communication between your side and the driver on the course. What about the support staff that's out there that's helping the driver? Have they been given access to new data points that helps them do their jobs more efficiently? Yeah, very much so. I mean, they are, you know, working hand in hand with, uh, you know, the, the background boys and girls that are, are providing that information from the data provided to them. So, um, you know, it's influencing car setup, it's influencing, you know, how they tune the car into each individual circuit for the driver's, uh, you know, specific preferences. So, uh, yeah, they, they rely very heavily on that. I want to move into sort of a more philosophical area and I wanted to talk about uh, pressure and success. Red Bull Racing's obviously had a ton of success in the past and, and, if you, and going forward they'll have a ton of success to be sure. But I'm wondering how you keep your team hungry for more success and how you know the depressurization effect of success can be a demotivator. How do you get people 
still motivated to win something, to, to go out there and win every race that you take on? Uh, we're very much forward-facing and forward-looking. So, you know, you win a race, uh, you enjoy it for the night that you've won it, but the next morning, full focus is on the next Grand Prix. And in Formula One, you're judged every two weeks and you're very much as good as your last race. And in that, we were second last weekend. So, you know, Mercedes, you know, were a little bit quicker than us, uh, in all honesty, in, in Abu Dhabi. So that le- always leaves you hungry for more. If you've won, you've not won by enough. And if you haven't won, then you've got to try harder to make sure you're, you're in with a shout at the next race. So that drive, that hunger um, and that passion, you know, runs throughout the factory, you know, here at Red Bull Racing. And uh, uh, that's one of the reasons why this team has achieved, you know, so much in the last, uh, you know, 10 years or so. This idea that second place is the first loser. Yeah, it depends on what the circumstances. It's a very easy analogy, but, you know, this business is all about winning and um, our mantra and our, our, you know, goals are very much, you know, absolutely set up to be, you know, challenging to win Grand Prix and win world championships. And how do you prepare drivers for that pressure through practice? Is it just getting as close to the real thing as possible? Is it uh, drilling people in simulators? Is it getting people as much track time as possible? How do you prepare for something that is sort of so difficult to deal with in real time? Well, of course, you can do an awful lot of preparation, um, you know, and, and again, in the virtual world, we do a huge amount. But ultimately, those big pressure moments in sport, it's like in any sport, it sorts, you know, the, the greats out from the exceptionals. And, uh, uh, you know, they're all great drivers in Formula One, but there's very few exceptional drivers. And it's all how they deal with the big pressure moments, the big point moments, whether that be in qualifying or at different points during a Grand Prix, whether it's a start, whether it's an overtake, whether it's a consistency that they're able to, uh, to achieve. And so it's how they perform at those, you know, those, those high pressure moments. Do you have a driver in mind when you're talking about sort of the, the goods from the greats as far as dealing with pressure? Is there someone that stands out to you, whether it's, you know, today's drivers or if it's in the past? Well, I mean, our current driver, Max Verstappen, handles pressure extremely well. Uh, one of the best drives I've seen under pressure was uh, Sebastian Vettel. The more pressure you put on him, the better he would deliver. And uh, yeah, that was part of him winning four uh, consecutive world championships. So, yeah, you know, those kind of guys at that level, uh, they're all able to handle that kind of pressure. Do you think it's just something internally in their DNA that separates them, or is it just a, a lot of training that goes into these sort of things? Well, of course, you can train to a certain level, but at some point in time, whether you're Roger Federer on the tennis court or, or Sebastian Vettel or Max Verstappen, it comes down to the individual, you know, how badly they want it, how much they apply themselves, and, and how they deal with those big pressure moments. I mean, that sounds like universal advice for anyone looking to be more productive under pressure, whether it's, you know, a day job working in an office or, you know, playing a sport at a high level. Yeah, absolutely. It applies to all walks of life. And, uh, you know, I'm a great believer that if you want something bad enough, you can you can achieve anything. I want to look towards the future a little bit, Christian, and ask you what the future of racing looks like, whether it's from a team principal perspective, whether it's from how drivers are behaving, whether it's from how data is analyzed and collected, what does tomorrow's race look like? 
Well, maybe we won't need the drivers. I mean, the way that uh, things are progressing, you know, maybe it'll all be autonomous cars and, you know, it'll save us a lot of money in driver fees, but that, that'll take away the emotion and the excitement of what is effectively modern day chariot racing. But I think the data that we're generating will just continue to grow. Our processing speed will continue to grow. Our ability to simulate and, you know, AI coming in, you know, every year stronger and stronger. It just keeps moving the boundaries, you know, we, we won the eSports World Championship last night uh, in the virtual world, the Teams Championship, you know, in only our second year in the, in the sport. And uh, again, that's a whole new activity in the virtual world that's, that's opening up to us. But uh, I think that, you know, Formula One looks to have an exciting future. It is ultimately entertainment. Um, and, uh, you know, the cars are loud, they're fast, uh, they need to be scary. Uh, and these, these drivers are absolute heroes, uh, almost fighter pilot-like in, uh, in the way they operate them. I wanted to ask one last question. And, you know, just talking about you mentioning AI coming into the equation, is there anything like a perfect race for you? And will data and information and analytics drive you towards that sort of ideal of a race? Well, absolutely, because that data will help produce the car, which will help, well, will define the car that enables you to win that race. So it, from, from the moment of conception of the car through to the delivery of it, the operation of it, it will, it will determine how you operate the car when your strategy you know, is. So it plays a key role in every part of the journey. Um, to ultimately winning a uh, winning a Grand Prix, and you know whether that's achieving a pole position and a, and a straightforward victory from the uh, the moment the lights go out. Data uh, plays an absolutely fundamental role in that. Christian, I think that's a great place to stop for the day. Uh, my guest is Christian Horner, team principal of Red Bull Racing, and this is Productivity Confidential. Christian, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you very much. This is the last episode of this season of Productivity Confidential, so we thought we'd do something a little different. Joining me in the studio to recap our season is my producer, Josh Christensen. Hey, Josh. Hey, Ted. How's it going? Good. Let's talk Productivity Confidential. Yeah. So uh, we're finishing up our season, like you said, and I want to start with this last episode we just heard with Christian Horner and get your takeaways on this, because what, what really stood out to me is the amount of preparation and teamwork that goes into what... Christian and his staff do to make these really, really split-second decisions on the track. I mean, what's interesting is that I didn't realize how many components there were to an F1 team. This is a massive operation, and really all they're trying to do in improving things is shave milliseconds off their time. You're losing a race by, you know, a blink of an eye, basically. So all this preparation, all this analysis... All these data points that are flowing back to Christian's team are really there to make one turn a little bit better. And I found that fascinating. And I mean, there is, there, you know, might not seem that way where it's like, oh, it's an F1 uh, team principal. How does that relate to me when I'm, uh, you know, an analyst at a company or a project manager or, you know, I'm a bartender? But really, we're all looking for little edges in how we're productive. Yeah, I mean, obviously, Christian, they're working at extreme circumstances, but it, it, it's true. It, it, this is something that we do in every day of our lives. There's nothing, there's no profession that is not driven by preparation and meticulous ways to make everything you do just a little bit faster. I think it's something that we can all take a lesson from 
and how we can better prepare and better find productivity in those small, high-pressure moments that we all face at our jobs. And, you know, this is kind of seems like a very drastic change of pace from our previous episodes where we've kind of spanned the gamut. So I kind of want to go back and and kind of look at from this whole season, we've talked about four-day work week, which is my personal favorite. Then we went to our productive creativity with Joe Brown, which was a different mode. We talk a lot about deep work and and taking the time to really think. And then we went into talked to Dr. Anil Jain about how this is being applied to medicine and how big data is working in that field. So from these four episodes, what common theme has really stood out to you the most? There is a thread here that goes through all of them, and I think it's what technology can do for us in the future, whether that's reducing the pressure we have at work by letting us work less, thank you, (laughs) (laughs) or giving us the opportunity to disconnect from it, which is also very valuable in doing doing deep work and letting technology sort of do what it's best at, whether it's um, doing menial tasks over and over again, organizing your calendar, things like that, or making us healthier. Or letting us make better decisions, whether we're driving on a, in an F1 track or or making more better decisions at work. There is this thread here that technology getting better will give us more time back, will sort of let us do more things that we are meant to do as people. Mm. Yeah, and I, I just I think about it. Technology has obviously become such really either a prominent force in every profession or even like we were talking about with Dr. Chain, sometimes an invisible force that you don't see. Thinking about what we're doing right now in podcasting and how much more content is available to be made here, how much better content. I mean, back just in the 90s, people were cutting together shows, literally cutting tape with a razor blade. But the one last thought that I want to finish up on is for you, Ted, personally. After these four episodes, how are you going to be more productive in your life after this? For me, it really comes down to deep work. I think I was um, listening to a speaker the other day, and it was this diff- he was talking about the difference between busy work and actual work. And we all try to keep ourselves just busy at work, and we might not be doing anything. The idea that you can sit there and actually concentrate on things you need to get done and that you might want to get done is sort of what I want to take forward in the work I do. That's all for this episode of Productivity Confidential. Anissa and Kate will be back with the new episodes of Secrets of the Most Productive People next week. Productivity Confidential is produced by Fastco Works in partnership with Citrix. I'm Ted Brown. Our producer is Joshua Christensen. 